following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. you would turn in your Bibles or electronic device. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at the first three verses of 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 3. And we're going to kind of go into um, uh, a little series here for the next couple of weeks, because Peter, our author, is an apostle. He's one who's seen Uh, Jesus, and he's also been commissioned by Jesus to do specific and certain things, mostly in regards to the foundation of the church, those who have confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is going to talk for a few weeks for us, here it's a few sentences, uh, giving multiple warnings about false teachers. Very important for our church, because what happened in Peter's society was they came in from the church, so they kind of crept up from the church. So maybe some of you who are here this morning are false teachers. Oh man, I got to be careful who I make eye contact with, right, today, okay? So uh, what happened was these believers, uh, believers, hypothetical, or uh, parentheticals, that's just parentheses, okay? Well, what would happen is these quote-unquote believers would rise up in the church and their whole point was to get these believers who were gathering to commit this thing called apostasy. And the apostasy is essentially just the denial of the faith. So the more people that these false teachers could get to deny the faith, the more they realized, or they felt like they realized they won. And so Peter's got some really sharp words for these individuals, and maybe these are words that you could use with people that you experience in your everyday life, spoken in love, of course, amen? Okay, good. So Peter says that this is important for the church. As much as it was then, it is for today too as well. We need to talk about the truths of Christ, his second coming, the dangers of materialism, worldliness, and the consequences, because there's consequences for greed and immorality that happen. So here is the message that Peter gives to the believers. Let's start in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But... False prophets. Now, he's going to speak about the Old Testament first, and then he's going to take what has transpired in the Old Testament, and he's going to talk about it in regards to the New Testament, okay? But in the Old Testament, okay, false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there was false prophets in the Old Testament, there will also be false teachers for you today. And he's speaking to the church, but he's also speaking to us. So let's define that. What are false teachers? Let's just start there this morning. What are false teachers? Well, false prophets, first of all, is something we have to define because he said false prophets. And that's an Old Testament term for people who claimed that they were sent by God with a message from God, when in reality, guess what? God didn't send them at all. And so they were saying a message that was untrue or false. And Peter says that those Old Testament prophets who claim to have a message from God are like these false teachers who teach ideas and doctrines or ways of thought that are contradictory to the Scripture that we have. A false teacher is anyone who speaks in contradiction to the belief that we have that was given to us by God in His Word. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22, the Old Testament law warns us, if a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and what he says doesn't come true, then it's not God's message. And in the Greek, in the Hebrew, that word is no duh. Okay? No duh. So what do we need to know in regards to helping us define or distinguish these false prophets or these false teachers? What do we need to know? Well, number one, we need to know the difference between a true and a false prophet and teacher. We need to know the difference between true and false prophets and teachers. Well, go back to the Old Testament for just a moment, okay? False prophets were men or women sometimes who gave a message that they said was from God, and people said, nope, that wasn't from God, and God himself said, that is not a message that I've given to the people. Same thing transpired in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 18 says, if any prophet dares to speak a message in the name of the living God when I didn't command him to do so, guess what happens to him? He gets to die. Isn't that awesome? Old Testament judgment, man. We should bring some of that back, right? Amen? You get to drag him. Some of you guys are, uh, yeah, absolutely. See, false teachers are rising up among us. Just kidding, okay? He says, yeah, they should die. Jeremiah says the same thing. And as false prophets came in the Old Testament, so are these teachers coming. And Paul tells 2 Timothy that the people acquired false teachers. Why? For what reason? For what benefit was it for them? It was so that they could accumulate for themselves Teachings that would suit their own passions. It was for teaching that would tickle their ears. It was for teaching that they wanted people to justify what they did in their life when God said, that is so contradictory to my word. People don't do that anymore, do they? See, the same that was true in the Old Testament is, too, is true today. And well, today we don't bring these false teachers forward and kill them. We can still identify them. But how do we identify these false teachers. Well, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, speaks to us, and he says, you can recognize a tree by its fruit. You can tell if somebody is a false teacher in a couple ways. You can tell a false teacher is ways. So three questions to ask to start to determine these false teachers. Number one, if somebody is giving me a message and they're claiming it is from God, the first question that I would have for them is, what does that say about Jesus? Or who do you say Jesus is? See, Christ and his redemptive work is always going to be number one. We have to beware of anyone who denies Jesus isn't God's son and downplays his death and resurrection. Jesus' life, death, resurrection from the dead is so important to us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 says, The liar is the man who denies Jesus is the Christ. He is an antichrist. Not capital antichrist, the antichrist. He could be. But he is small uh, case antichrist. He is against, he is opposed to Christ. Anyone who denies Jesus is the Christ is an anti-Christ. He denies the Father and the Son. If you come up against a message from somebody that claims it's from God and they don't believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah, run! They're not from God. Jesus continues though, and he says, number two, does this teacher preach the gospel? Because some people affirm Jesus, right? But they don't know the gospel, is it Jesus is a good teacher. He had good things to say. But when it comes to the acceptance of the death, burial, and resurrection, oh man, they're so far from it, aren't they? Now, Jesus wants us to feed the hungry and take care of each other, but those aren't 
complete messages of the gospel. Paul warns us in um, Galatians chapter 1, he says, These false teachers are going to throw you into confusion. They are men and women who try to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ to twist it to say that God, He is all loving in regards to giving you a hug and God just wants to be your friend. But see, the gospel tells us that God, if you reject His Son, you are eternally separated from Him in an existence away from Him. And that is tough love. And so we look at the gospel and we see, yes, God welcomes people to Himself, but what else does He do? He says, no, I reject people who reject me. I give you your wish. And so when a teacher comes up to me and he says, let me tell you this truth from God, and he doesn't believe Jesus is the Christ, and he doesn't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, then Paul is true. He says, if anyone preaches to you a gospel other than the one that you accept, and let him be eternally condemned. Woo! Strong words, right? Number three, does this teacher, parentheticals, Exhibit character qualities of the Lord. Because you see, some people, right, they go, I believe Jesus exists. I've accepted the gospel. And they live so far away from God. You're like, what gospel did you accept? Amen? Your life is so backwards. Are you kidding me? Jude 11 says, They, false teachers, have taken the way of Cain, rushed for the prophet into Balaam's error, and have destroyed Korah's rebellion. What in the world does that mean? I'll tell you. In other words, false teachers can be known by pride, that's Cain's rejection of God, greed, Balaam's prophesying for money, and rebellion, Korah's promotion of himself over Moses. And Jesus said, beware, buyer beware, right? Any social media feed that you see, any message that is received from YouTube or whatever app you have on your Apple TV, right? You got to be aware. You should filter it with the Bible that is in front of your face that you know to be true because you've been reading it, haven't you? I'm proud of you. See, Peter tells us that there is a difference between somebody is true in regards to teaching you what you need to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody who teaches you something that is false. And he says they will always, always, always come. Until Jesus comes back again, it is going to be a beratement on our end as believers. They will never give up. When will these teachers cease? When will they stop coming? When will these messages disappear? He says, never. He says, not until Jesus comes back. Peter says, false teachers arose and came to be long ago for the Israelites in regards to prophets. And here is a church, believers, Jew, Gentile, red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter. What you need to know is you will have false teachers among you as well. So be ready. Be ready. But he also says, don't be surprised. See, Peter's speaking about Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 7, he says, beware. And he's probably talking to Peter here, who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look good, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. It's the frog in the frying pan. Amen? Man, you start off, we're starting, we're doing so good. And all of a sudden, it's starting to get a little hot in here, right? And all of a sudden, before I know it, my legs are cooking off my body. And I'm like, how do we get here? Well, Little by little, drip, 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 drip. Fakes don't take us off guard as believers, though. We know them and identify them because we're reading God's Word. Amen? We're studying it. It's the truth. And so they will come. They will always come. And so Peter told us in 1 Peter, way back when we were in that passage of Scripture, always be prepared to give an answer to every man, woman, child who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is within you. But you should do so with meekness and fear of the living God. 
We should do so with the fear of the living God. One commentator says, false teachers weave lies with their mouths. And so, we identify false teachers by what we know to be true from God's word, and we look at what Peter continues to tell us. Look at the second part of verse 1. He says, false prophets arose, Old Testament, and they will come again, false teachers, to you, New Testament. What are they going to do? What are they trying to accomplish? Let's give some more understanding on what we're supposed to be on guard about. What do these false teachers seek to accomplish? They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, and they will even have the audacity to deny the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift, ooh, I like that word, swift destruction. So false teachers, their ultimate goal is to smuggle into the church. Those drug dealers, right? Those swindlers, those fakes, they're smuggling in false doctrines to the church. They're bringing them in quietly, They're bringing them in secretly. They're bringing them in so you won't notice them. Look, he says, the first thing I want you to know is they're bringing in destructive heresies. Now, this is interesting. If you were studying this passage of Scripture from Peter in the New Testament church, you would have seen that word heresy. And you could circle that word heresy because it used to be a positive thing. Heresy used to be a positive thing. It just stood for what a particular group or group of people thought. So it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. It was just in regards to that's what you thought. So it was your heresies. It was your teachings. It was the things that you believed in. But heresy turned negative when believers took over it in regards to false teachers because their teachings, their heresies, became so prevalent and contradictory that Peter says, you are untrue. And so it brought onto itself a negative connotation. And so the word heresy that we know today is negative because we would say it is against false teaching. See, people in society would look at it and say, no, it's a good thing. It's just the way that we think. It's the way that we believe. Where did you get that from? Myself. Okay, no, but it's a heresy. It's against teachings of Scripture. It's anything that is contradictory to the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. So false teachers became heretics, ready for this, when they were destructive as their teaching had negative side effects on the church, ideally immorality. So if you look at the church in Corinth, for example, their big problem is they have allowed immorality to infiltrate their lives, and it has Uh, become a mask or a veil for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so their lives didn't line up with the word. And when our lives don't line up with the word, what happens? People don't accept the gospel. When people don't accept the gospel, what else happens? The church isn't edified. And so when evangelism and edification ceases, we could see that most of the time it comes from immorality. So immorality or worldliness, when the world has consumed who you are, takes over, we see that we follow our selfish ways. And the church is not on point. The more selfish it becomes, the more immoral it becomes, the more sensual it becomes. See, we're supposed to be different, right? We're supposed to be distinct. And it's crept into our churches. It's seeped its way in like slime, like ooze. And we look at it and we say, how did it get here? It wasn't quick. It was slow. The great irony here, though, is the false teachers taught that there would be no final judgment. But in reality, their teaching had the effect of leading into experiencing final judgment that they denied. 
So we must be careful today, believers, those of you who are gathered here today, those of you who are listening online or will listen later, you must evaluate everything that you think, everything that you see, everything that you say, everything that you hear under the lens of Scripture. Because it might not come across strong, it might just seep into your life. You'll think to yourself, how did I get to read this book? How did I get to watch this movie? How did I get to see this TV show? Oh, it didn't happen fast. It happened slow. It was a drip until the whole house was flooded. And so Peter says, the first thing that you have to be careful of is these destructive heresies that come in. Number two, you have to be also careful when the waters come like that. I don't know what that is, Casey, but it's, it's cute, all right? And I don't, I don't have that song in there. But number two, <laughs> I'm not singing to you this morning. If you can find it, Casey, it's the denial of the master, all right? The Greek word deny means to disown or to renounce. The ultimate goal was, again, apostasy. And Peter focuses on false teachers not acknowledging the master. What we see here is that the master is used for either God or Christ, but here it's Christ. And what was already stated was false teachers denied Christ, the gospel, his message, and his second coming. And in turn, they had exchanged that truth for a lie. They had said, essentially, God does not want you, my friend, to be unhappy. God wants you to be so happy, doesn't he? He wants you to be full. He wants you to be fulfilled in the things of this world. How did that work for Solomon? How did that work for any Old Testament character that we know? See, in disobeying his teachings and practicing immorality, they denied the master. So false teachers belittled the significance of Jesus' life, death, and resurrected. And ultimately, what they want from us is for you to deny that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. They want you to commit apostasy. They want you to say that Jesus Christ is not the way, the truth, the life. That his ways are not bringing us joy. You should welcome immorality in your life. Now, the problem here is if you were reading that text, you would have said, wait, hold on a second. Who is my master? The Gnostics said that they were their master, okay? In the teachings of the New Testament, they said, we are our master, but the Greek word master means owner. And the word bought there strengthens the idea of ownership. Since Christ bought believers, we belong to him, not of this world. So we don't function like the world functions. In the New Testament, to redeem a person means to buy that person out of slavery, And the slave could be purchased, and he had a choice. He could either continue working for his master, or he could go free. Jesus does both of those for us. He says, you can keep working for me, but ultimately, at the end, you will be free too as well. It's a bought, purchased product that comes from being a believer in Jesus Christ. Either case, the new master has paid a price, and you can't pay your own price. So what Peter's saying here is, if you are submitting to false teachers anything that denies Christ's payment for sin, then you are being pulled away from your allegiance to Christ, your true master, and you're essentially saying, I want to go back to my old self. Follow this church. Anytime that you submit to any media, TV, movie, uh, attitude, action, anything that is of the old self, you're essentially looking at Jesus and you're saying, your purchase of me on the cross was not enough 
It was not significant. It was not worth anything. And I need to go back to that which is of the world. And your word is not truth. Have we ever thought about that? Have you started to think about that? Now, we don't get there just like that. It's a slow drip. And if we were to take inventory of the things we participate in, we would see, whoa, I'm, I'm far away from true, everyday submission to Jesus Christ by being a living sacrifice, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12 for him. So I have to evaluate everything I do. I take constant inventory. Either I am pledging allegiance to the old self or I'm in full submission to the new self that was given to me by Jesus' death on the cross. Peter says, false teachers, if you follow them, they bring swift destruction upon themselves and also to us. Now you could circle that word swift. That's kind of interesting because we would say it's supposed to happen fast, right? We would say this is supposed to happen quickly. And Peter says, well, it might not happen worldly-wise quickly. When Jesus comes back, it's going to happen fast, Right? So he says, yeah, it just, just hurry up. It's kind of like the parent that looks at his son or daughter that got in trouble and says, just wait till we get home. Okay? Like, you know what? Right now, we're just going to drive four hours to grandma's house. When we get to grandma's house, what's going to happen? Swift punishment for what has transpired in the van. All the parents said amen, right? Okay, so two questions as we look at what false teachers accomplish. Number one, am I welcoming destructive heresies in through my eyes, ears, hands, and feet? Evaluate. Just think about it. Am I welcoming destructive heresies in through my eyes, ears, hands, and feet? Number two, how do I, because we all do this, belittle the significance of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in my life? How do I belittle Jesus in my worship to him? Okay? All right, so what are false teachers What are they trying to accomplish? Look at number three in regards to verses two and three. He says, essentially, here's some warning signs for you. Here's some things that you could really wrap your mind around in regards to seeing it in your everyday life. And many will bring their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Three, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So here's what he's saying. He's giving three signs to help us as believers identify this quickly. You have a couple based off of what we just said in regards to bearing of fruit, but here the rubber really meets the road. Number one, he says you need to watch out for sensuality. You need to watch out for sensuality that comes. The word sensuality is the word immorality. The Greek word sensuality translates into a way where it's more than sexual sin. It's, it's more than sexual sin. See, it, it's easy to just look at it and go, oh, anything sexual, okay, that's sensuality. No, not necessarily true. See, false teachers blaspheme the way or they bring the way of truth into disrepute and they discredit the gospel. So essentially what Peter's saying is one who is sensual is one who distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ in any way with their own feelings and not the word of God. It is when the person looks at you and says, do what makes you happy. Dad, I don't want to clean my room. Ah, that's cool. Just do what makes you happy. It doesn't work that way, right? When you get up in the morning, you don't just go, you know what? Don't feel like going to work today. Your spouse looks at you and says, do what makes you happy, right? If you did what makes you happy, what would transpire? Havoc, 
Okay? So what we see is we have to discipline ourselves with the ways of what we do here in this world so that we can conform more to the image of Christ who was given to us by his word, the living word. So false teachers constantly say that you should do what makes you happy or pervert the grace of God. And many believers followed this practice because they realized it would bring them temporary happiness. But we've talked about it over and over again, studying First and Second Peter. God is more concerned about your holiness than he is about your happiness. And so he will constantly look at you and he will say, I urge you to discipline yourself to become more like me so that you can have joy. The Bible says so that your joy may be complete, that you will be lacking in nothing. So anything immoral, anything sensual that distorts Jesus' way, truth, and life is a practice that I should put away from, and I should be very concerned when my flesh takes over what I know to be true in my head. God did not give you a brain so that you can just throw it out the window. He said, I want you to think. Does this distort the grace of God that was given to me, does it move me towards worship or does it move me away from worship? Because worship is not just music, okay? Worship is an attitude and lifestyle where we're daily dying to ourselves to become more like Christ. So anybody who pushes me towards making sure that I'm just happy is probably somebody who's not concerned about my holiness and I should run from it. That's my first indicator, Peter says, when I see false teachers. And there are preachers that do this all the time. They will preach to you a message where it makes you feel good, right? Like you go out, you're like, man, I just feel so good. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of times when we walk out of community gospel church, stop shaking your head, of the fact that you don't feel good, right? That you're like, I feel convicted. I feel like, man, there's something that was said there that I need to move or change from. Some of this is encouraging, but a lot of times the preaching of the word is convicting because it pulls us away from the world, and moves us more towards the Word. Amen? Okay, so that's why it's hard to be uh, the preacher. Number two, he says, be very careful of anybody who is greedy, okay? Anyone who is greedy. False teachers were often in it for their own monetary benefit, and the first thing that pops into my mind is the televangelist that pops up and says, just send more money to the church, right? Like, just give us more money, right? Everything will be okay if you just send in that donation. We'll send you a little prayer cloth and you'll be good, right? As a matter of fact, there's been countless number of times where I found myself in the basement and watching like the, the Christian channel and all of a sudden I'm screaming at the Christian channel. I'm like, that's not true, that's false, right? I'm more apt to send my money to somebody who pledges that I can cook a potato in three minutes in the microwave before I'm sending somebody who's an evangelist money, amen? Like you're gonna hit me on like, on that before you hit me on the other thing, okay? So these false teachers were often in it for their own monetary benefit. And the great thing about like those online ads or whatever the case is, you get two for the price of one. Yeah, great. You just want my money. Okay, so Peter explains here that when we do that, when we buy into that lie, we again go back to our old life. He says, no, you're followers of Christ. And the book of Acts, we realized that the people were so adamant about just giving. They just constantly extended their hands to things, right? There's nothing wrong with paying a worker his wages. But when that worker's wages take precedence over the preaching and teaching of the word, that's when it becomes a problem. 
And so Peter's saying the same is true with everybody. It's, it, it should be all of us. When you have somebody who just comes in and says like, hey, if Pastor Jordan gets up here and he's like, I think in the budget next year we should put in a private jet for me, you should be very concerned. All right? You should be very cautious. If a ministry comes up to me and they're like, hey, I just think, you know, we should have our own wing of the church. Whoa. Like, we're into some problems. Okay? Because they're in it for themselves and not seeking the other person's best. So that's when I get cautious and concerned about people who present messages to me. Now, it might not just be uh, materialistic. It could be somebody who says to you that you are going to be uh, full because of this, right? It could be somebody who says um, that you have the ability to uh, experience like, like happiness in a way that you never experienced. Sometimes false teachers come in the form of counseling, right? Because they say, oh, if you do these things, and, and there's good counselors out there, but there's also bad counselors out there, right? It could come in the form of teachers. I'm going to teach you things so that you can be spiritually enlightened, See, they're claiming that you're going to get something from this. But God says, what you get to do in my relationship with me is give back the worship that I so rightly deserve because I paid for your sin on the cross. Okay? So uh, be very careful with people who pledge immorality, with people who are greedy, and then also people who lie to you. Be very careful with people who lie to you. These false teachers, though, weren't dumb. Their uh, stories weren't made up or so ridiculous that people dismiss them as jokes. As a matter of fact, what false teachers are so good at is stretching the truth. There's nothing worse than sitting underneath a sermon and the pastor starts to preach and he started at the text, but he ends at his own personal agenda. Man, that just grinds me. Because he veered away from the text. You have to stay true to the text. The same is true with any relationship that we have. Oftentimes, the people who are in our life that say they're going to promote you are the people who poison you. Because they stretch the truth, right? That friend appeared like they were going to be great for us, and what it ended up being was despair. That's what happens in the garden, right? Like Satan comes in, and Eve's like, oh, look, cute snake that talks, wants to be my friend. But ultimately, it ends in death, right? So see how it just, it's, it's a slow, steady drip. And believers are going to be straight up. We're not going to be bent. We're not going to stretch. We're not going to expand. Lying is the intent to deceive, not a false report honestly delivered. So what we see here is we don't give in. We are called, if these teachers are this way, to be the opposite of these things, right? If you look at that, the the negative is that false teachers are sensual and greedy and liars. So we are called to be truth tellers who give and make sure that we're conformed to the word. See how you take that negative and put it into a positive? And again, Peter says, end of that verse, he says, false teachers are going to get away with it for a little while, but their condemnation hangs over them. So your prayer as a believer is that God would open your eyes to see the lies of the people who are claiming that they have the truth. That God would open your ears so that you can hear. So that God would extend your hands and feet so that you could find places that honor him and not discourage him. See, as believers, God is not asleep. He knows what is happening. And without a doubt, he will condemn and destroy the false teachers and those who blindly follow them. Their way is destruction. Their way is a way that we do not walk in. So 
Through fall, or though fallen men will look for any excuse to malign the ways of Christ, we as believers in Jesus have to remember not to give extra cause for them to do this. Because in our, oh man, I pray that I say this, this, this right. In our apathetic acceptance of what is transpiring, we are also sinning as well. Okay? So be very cautious of that. When we are apathetic and refuse to open our mouths about what is transpiring in regards to heresy, false teachers, we too also sin. For anyone who knows the right thing to do it and does not do it, for him or her it is a sin. We have to call a spade a spade. That's false. That's not true. That's not what God's word says. And you better know it backwards and forwards because false teachers know the word almost better than we do. And so here, what Peter is saying is, most of us will probably never be guilty of intentionally spreading false teachings, but our lifestyles may contribute to somebody else's sin if we're not careful in following Christ. Okay? So we must remember that we are being watched by others and our endeavors are to never do anything that would bring reproach to Jesus Christ. I never want to do anything that causes Jesus to be distorted in any way. Amen? So here's kind of the benediction for you. And I saw this in a pastor friend of mine's. Uh, he took a picture of himself and, and put it on social media, and this was hanging behind his head, and I couldn't see his face anymore. My prayer for you is that Jesus Christ would be the head of your house, not, not, not your home that you live in. Like, that's, that's neat this house. He would be the center of your house. That he would be the unseen guest at every meal, every conversation you have, every place that you are with somebody else, that he, you would see him physically present sitting right next to you, either nodding in agreement or going, nope, don't like that. Right? And the prayer would be that he is the silent listener to every conversation. If you live this way, you will get to the end of eternity. God will look at you. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a good God. You love us. You set up boundaries for us. You show us um, not just what we need to do in order to come into a relationship with you through faith in Christ, but you also show us the damaging effects that can transpire in the world and the people who are so adamantly opposed to your greatness. And so God, the, the call and, and, and the plea for us as believers is to take inventory of our lives here this morning. Everything that we're seeing, everything that we're hearing, everything that we're participating in, we ask that you help us to either eliminate or align to your word and your will. You would help us, as Jesus says, to radically amputate anything that trips us up or distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Heavenly Father, this morning that you would open our mouths to boldly proclaim the truths of the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into glorious light. That the light would shine so bright that people would see it, people would be convicted by it, and that we would speak it in love to those who need it the most that we would tell people that that is far from you, your word and your ways, and that they would see that we're truly seeking others best. The people who are far from you would come to know you, and people who already know you would be encouraged that the church would be built up. We need this in our society today. 
We long for you, Jesus, to come and call us home. But until then, we ask that you would send your army of heavenly angels to surround the places that we populate. And that you would help us to be equipped with the full armor of God. The word, prayer, the the sword, all of the things that we need. Sandals, breastplate of righteousness, all of these things that you have equipped us for. We pray that we wear them well and that we do diligence because we know the glorious truth that you have given to us, that you have called us out of darkness into light and you've commanded us to walk in the truth. And so God, help us as we go out now here today, help us to not just be hearers of this word, but doers as well, making disciples of all nations, teaching the things that you have taught us. I thank you so much for the word this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.